This is Caught in the Act with Tim Clark. Welcome back. There are plenty of fish in the sea, or so the saying goes. There is even a dating app called Plenty of Fish. But looking for love online can also occasionally be a terrifying and dangerous experience. Just ask one of the 18 Perth women, all victims of campaigns of terror and punishment at the hands of a serial dating app stalker. Adam Jeffrey Rebicki looked like any other young man looking for love on apps like Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, Red Hot Pie, WhatsApp, Snapchat, Instagram and Facebook. Those exchanges began innocently enough, a winky face here, a cheeky comment there. But at the first sign of rejection, the 33-year-old would flip out and start bombarding his matches with more than a 100 threatening texts and calls a day. Victims of the self-confessed woman-hater were left shell-shocked and frightened, many with depression and an inability to trust again. And even when he was caught and punished once, Rubicki didn't learn his lesson. In fact, he just learned how to do it all again with a different identity. Joining me this week on Court of the Act is the West Australian's court reporter and one of my very close team members, Sarah Steger, who first broke this story about Rubicki's reign of stalking and terror and ironically has followed him through the courts ever since. Sarah, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Tim. So, Sarah, you were the first journalist who revealed this story and unveiled the mask on Adam Rubicki. Can you tell us how it began? Well, typically we, as court reporters, head to the legal precinct in the CBD, mm. but uh, a contact of mine sort of tipped me off that it might be worth heading up to Joondalup Magistrates Court on July 3 of 2020. Mm. So I did... And that's where I first heard Adam Rybecki's name. And as the charges were read out, frankly, I was pretty shocked. It's not every day you have that amount of offences. They were all stalking and threat and assault charges, all against him. And I take it you can see his face on the video um, because he was in custody at that point. He didn't look like what you would think in your mind would be, you know, your archetypal stalker. Look, I don't know if I should admit this, but I thought he wasn't (laughs) that bad looking. I thought that if I ran across him, if I ran into him on a Tinder app... You might have swiped. I might have swiped until I heard what he'd done to some of these women. Um, But no, he, he doesn't look like someone who these charges clearly reflect that he is. So <clears throat> we sit in court a lot and we hear a lot of things and some of them are worse than others, obviously. Um, but this this realm of um, dating apps and the the risk that it can pose, particularly to, to, to young women, um, did, did this case you know, strike a particular sort of note with you? 
Yeah, definitely. Just being a woman myself and being a single woman who mm. spends, unfortunately, a lot <laughs> of her time on dating apps, it immediately struck a chord. And when Rybecki eventually way down the track contacted me, he actually targeted me for that particular thing. He he stated himself that he felt targeted by me, a woman who was clearly single. Mm. So it makes sense. <laughs> well, in his head anyway. So the behavior that Sarah has just described was eventually described in court as a campaign of terror. He threatened to send explicit photos of one woman to her family. He told another he would kill himself after she refused to have sex with him. In another instance, he refused to leave a woman's house after a date, forcing that victim to lock herself inside and call the police. That woman, who was just 20 years old at the time, had just invited him over for dinner. When Rebecca arrived with a bottle of wine and a present in hand, she said he looked like a completely different person from the one she had seen online. Put off immediately and very uncomfortable with his unwanted advances, she texted a friend asking for a fake SOS call about an hour and a half into the date. Sarah, you spoke to that victim. How did she come across to you and you know what did what did she tell you had happened before and, and, and during and then after that date? Yeah, so this woman who I obviously won't name, she immediately felt like something was wrong when she first arrived or when Rebecca, I should say, first arrived. She'd clearly been catfished and she felt like she was in a bit of trouble. She told Rebecca she had to go fetch her friend who had found herself in a bit of trouble. And that's when she says this guy's whole body language changed. His entire demeanour shifted in front of her eyes. He started yelling at her. He got right up in her face. He kept asking her what it was about him that she didn't like. She was terrified, so she ran into the house through the open garage and locked the door. But not even her obvious fear stopped him. In fact, it actually made things worse because after that, while this poor woman was hiding in her house waiting for help to arrive, Rybecki sent her a barrage of abusive texts. He even turned his caller ID off at one point to repeatedly ring her. And when the police did arrive, a suddenly calm Rybecki told officers it was the woman that was in the wrong, not him. Officers who had access to the list of restraining orders that had been taken out, taken out against him in the past for similar behaviour obviously did not believe him. And arguably even more alarming is what came six months later, after Rybecki's Bumble account was deleted by the app's creators. This woman told me that after months of hearing nothing from him, thinking she was finally safe, he unleashed another onslaught from a number of new email addresses and social media accounts in which he shamed her, insulted her and dehumanised her. And it got so bad that she actually deleted all of her socials and didn't dare go back on them for a whole year. The one thing that sticks out, well, it all sticks out obviously, is pretty appalling behaviour, but... This man obviously had, as you said, restraining orders already against him from a number of women. And that issue has been raised again and again over recent times about um, young women possibly being able to uh, search or find out uh, about th these court orders um, before they enter 
into a relationship. Obviously, that law isn't in place at the moment, but it would seem to me on 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 this reading that that law would have certainly helped these women in this case. Yeah, I 100% agree. Some sort of public database that one can access mm. just to type in someone's name and see that if they have a restraining order or not. Mm. One wouldn't even need the specific details, but just some sort of flag, as we all say in the dating world, some sort of red flag mm. to give you an idea of what you're actually getting yourself into and whether or not it's worth it or safe. Yeah. And this young woman who, who you spoke to for your reporting, she also told you about the trauma that, that, that this sort of inflicted on her. I mean, it really left a, a, a huge impact on her emotionally. Yeah, she actually described it as a completely breaking her. Um, not just the abuse that he sent her, but her sense of security was completely shattered after that. And she was scared to even be alone in her own house for months and months. That, as well as withdrawing socially, I mean, as she said, she cut off all ties on social media and she stopped dating completely. And months later, she realised she was actually completely at his mercy when he contacted her again and she had zero control of that whole situation. I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. And as we said at the top, it didn't stop there. And this was not the only young woman that this man was terrorising. Another young woman... Um, he told her he was going to kill himself because of her. She said initially he seemed quite nice in person, but the messages were relentless and he wouldn't stop talking about how he wanted to have sex with her. Once he was rejected, he would then send her more threatening messages telling her she had no idea what he was capable of and you'll get what's coming to you. Message after message after message, more than 40 in one day, leaving her absolutely petrified that he would and could turn up at her house. Sarah, months after blocking him on every app, she got a call from the police. What did they say? Well, she actually knew it was about him before they even mentioned his name. Mm. She told me that as an officer called her, as soon as she answered, she immediately said, it's about him, isn't it? That's how seriously this man who she said was unlike anyone she'd ever met before, had impacted her life. Talking to her, it honestly sounded like he'd crept into every facet of her conscious and subconscious mind, and that fear ruled her life for a really long time. Now, as we said, you broke the story um, of his arrest and the details of some of the allegations against him. And as can be the case sometimes, um, and, and it can be satisfying, but it can also be quite concerning when this happens. More women then came forward to report um, similar experiences with this character. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um I think it was three to five different women came forward after the West broke this story. One of these women thought she'd met someone who ticked all the right boxes when she first matched with him on Tinder. That obviously quickly changed after her first visit to his house. Following that catch-up, Rybecki turned angry, possessive and abusive, and he bombarded her with messages and called her horrible derogatory names. This woman blocked every single account he used to stalk her, but every time she did, he'd create a new one and resume his attack again. Mm. 
He even threatened to send naked photos of her that she'd provided him to her family members. And fortunately, while Rebecca never managed to find where this woman was living, she felt that it was a constant threat. Now, what you're describing there, I mean, it's a facsimile of what had happened to so many other women. Um, it's it's incredible that his behaviour would be replicated so many times. But then, then again, maybe it wasn't because at this point, um, there hadn't really been any repercussion or cer- certainly when he was actually acting out this stuff. Um, and the clear pattern of behaviour, it would appear, was... Uh, nice and charming to start with and then as soon as there was a sense that the date or the relationship or whatever he had in his mind was not going his way and he was getting rejected then he would completely flip the dark side would emerge and um, this, this, this terror would just continue. Yeah, it was like he was willing to hurt and torture them until an external authority mm. sort of laid down that law. In this case, mm. it was violence restraining orders mm. and told him he could no longer contact this person, at which point he'd then cease his relentless pursuit of that woman and move on to his next unsuspecting victim. Mm. And at the time, Magistrate Sandra DeMeo found that he indeed would sell himself as this charming, considerate man on these dating apps, but that as soon as he matched with a woman or met up with her, he would change tact and habitually abuse and harass her. And, of course, unfortunately, um, we know that this, this, this pattern of behaviour is, is quite common in, in most areas of domestic abuse. But... I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just me, but I I think it's only in the last couple of years. And correct me if you think I'm wrong here. That the the abuse that can stem from online match matching is only now being really sort of taken as seriously as as it as it may be happening in a family situation or a de facto situation. I think I personally I think in the past you know well you know you've just met him online. I mean what did you expect? But I mean, this is the extreme, but um, it, it, it goes to show that abuse is abuse no matter what format or how it starts. Definitely, and I think with the rise of social media and with the rise of all these dating apps, this is becoming more and more recognised as a, an actual problem. It's not something you can just brush off um, when the majority of single people mm. are having to deal with it. Mm. In their search, you know, for love. Would you? I mean, apart from your interactions with this chap, who, which we'll get to in a minute, have you uh, experienced something like that over, over your journeys on the, on the apps? I have never experienced the extent uh, of the trauma that these women have been subjected to. Mm. I've never been stalked relentlessly, mm. but I have definitely, and I would say most of my friends have being the subject of verbal abuse and derogatory language Mm. on dating apps. Fortunately for me, I've been able to cut it off very quickly by unmatching this person Mm. or unblocking them. Mm. So I can only really feel for these women because that's exactly what they did. He just, he got around every single barricade that they put up. Mm. Now, this method and uh, was obviously the one that Rebecca um, favoured to find 
his so-called matches to and then used it to harass them and intimidate them as we've heard via multiple phones as it turned out but it also turned out that that those crimes and those devices uh, were a virtual treasure trove of evidence for police when they eventually began to investigate and when they did those uh, devices offered an insight um, into Adam Rubicki's twisted psyche. It was clear from the appalling, expletive-ridden, abusive messages on his phone that he basically hated women. One such message said, All women are dog shit. They are f- pieces of shit. I am the most bitter, spiteful, hate-filled on the planet who absolutely hates women and have straight up become evil. I'm glad I'm ruining the life of at least one more. This is someone who hates women, hates the country, hates the government and hates police. Another message said the woman he was speaking to was the trashiest, dirtiest slut he'd ever spoken to and could not have been stupider. And despite these abhorrent messages, including one where he threatened a victim. I have three phones, sweetheart. I will find you wherever you are. Rubicki insisted he was the one being victimised, claiming to detectives the women were all conspiring against him. You're going to call the police, just like all the others, read one message, which a police prosecutor eventually said displayed an unmatched level of of arrogance. She also said that until his eventual arrest in June 2020, Rubicki had seen himself as untouchable, despite his lawyer claiming he didn't know what he was doing was illegal. Sarah, uh, as we've just heard, these messages are horrendous enough as they stand, but they really took on a more sinister meaning when, in court, Senior Constable Kylie Velios said Rubicki's behaviour and his deep hatred of women uh, meant he fit the profile of a minority group known as involuntary celibates or incels. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's exactly right. His use of derogatory language mirrors the way incels refer to women. The incel movement, in essence, rejects women's freedom and genuinely believes that all females are shallow, vain, cruel creatures. It's a subculture that thrives off toxic misogyny and male supremacy and prides itself on hating women. And bizarrely, this hatred is meant to come from this group's self-professed desire for love and sexual fulfilment, but that they believe they cannot attain such a thing because women don't find them physically attractive enough. And even though Rybeki doesn't refer to himself as an incel and doesn't fit all the criteria, he does refer to himself as a man who has become straight-up evil and who absolutely hates women. And he admits he can't wait to ruin the life of the next one. Mm. Yeah, he, he sounds like an absolute charmer. And along the way, as you mentioned before, after some of your reporting, he got in touch with you personally. Um, tell us what happened there, how that happened, and how you felt about it, basically. So the first line of his email to us said that we, the West Australian, had 
unbelievably picked on him for whatever reason, quotes. And it's pretty obvious the female journalist involved had an invested interest in what I had been doing and a personal agenda against me. I have to admit, when I read this email, I did have a bit of a chuckle. Um, See, now that's that's interesting in itself because you you listened to what he'd done and and how he acted and and his skewed world belief, um, but you saw it and you laughed because I mean some people wouldn't have. He's a narcissist. Yeah. There's no other way to describe it. He is incredibly arrogant. He's narcissistic and he has he has no understanding of the true extent of what he's doing and he has no he, remorse. He doesn't seem to care. It's all about him. And so when I read this email, yes, I was alarmed because it does go on for several pages and it names me four separate times which led to us reporting it to police. But the fact he has so so little self-awareness, it just it it made me laugh because I knew that he was never going to stop. I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and he will continue to be convicted for crimes like this. Mm. I've got one of the emails here, actually. Um, says, my name is Adam and I'm sure you know who I am. I've been made incredibly infamous due to your publication. Uh, the, as you say, the the self satisfaction, the narcissism, sort of drips off even an email, let alone it being uh, written um, in um, in pen form. So you can you can just get a flavour there or, or in one line of of the the mindset, but also then of the. Uh, you know the, the the internal struggle that this man's having with uh, supposedly being rejected by all these women that are uh, that are out to get him. Yeah, I mean his email itself. He says at one point, "I was being a troll, nothing more." Mm. He repeatedly claims that this reporting wasn't fair, that the justice wasn't fair. I don't think any of his victims would agree with anything <laughs> he's writing. Indeed. That email was sent in March 2021. By that time, he had appeared in court several times. In August of 2020, Rebecca's lawyer, David Hockton, argued that his client had not been physically violent towards any of the victims. But he did agree that he, they would have suffered significant emotional and mental harm. Rebecca himself pleaded with the court, saying prison had been utter, utter hell and that he would never engage in the behaviour again. Less than two months later, he pleaded guilty to 18 stalking charges, included aggravated stalking and stalking with intent to intimidate, along with four drugs charges. Another count of aggravated stalking was dropped and another drug charge was downgraded. During sentencing, Magistrate Sandra DeMeo said Rubicki's relentless pursuit of his victims was extreme. She described how on one day, after one woman he'd met on a dating app declined a second date, Rubicki sent her 90 messages in eight hours. That's one every five minutes. And she eventually, Sandra DeMeo, sentenced Rubicki to a 16-month conditional suspended term of imprisonment. 
That was in part due to a psychological report done on Rabicki after he was bashed in jail, which found he was scared and unlikely to re-offend. So, having already been in jail for six months and 23 days after his arrest, that meant he could walk free. Sarah, uh, you'd spoken to some of Rebecca's victims. What was their response when they heard about this sentence? Well, some of the women actually came to court for his sentencing. And when I looked back at them, all seated in the public gallery, there was just disbelief and disappointment across each of their faces. One of them told me outside court that, ironically, his sentence was shorter than hers, referring to the two years of horrendous emotional and psychological abuse that he had inflicted on her. She was one of five women who wrote a victim impact statement to the court, which revealed battles with depression, deep-rooted fear, withdrawal from social settings, and a massive hit to their self-worth. And Magistrate DeMeo described the role Rybeki had played in each of their lives as that of the boogeyman. So... Rubicki was out in the community, but he then quickly made sure he was no longer known as Adam Jeffrey Rubicki because he changed his name by law to Tom Jeffrey Lewandowski. Sarah, while the name might have changed, the flavour certainly didn't. The intimidating language, the threats of harm and the menacing behaviour all started up again in late 2021 and five more women became prey to Adam Rubicki stroke Tom Lewandowski. I was honestly stunned when I found out that he'd legally changed his name. We found out in in the newsroom mm. and I just, I couldn't believe it. And so quickly as well. Uh, He'd clearly done it so that he could go on terrorising women after being released from prison, um, despite his repeated promises to never do what he'd done again. And he was, he was actually still on a suspended imprisonment order mm-hmm. when he found his next victim, meeting with her after matching with her on a dating app. And soon after this rendezvous, he disclosed his former name to her and seemed to brag almost about the restraining orders against him. He then bombarded her with phone calls and messages and threatened to harm himself just like he did with his previous victims. And the most terrifying moment for her was probably when he sent her a photo of her house saying, that's what the garden at your house looks like. And in another one of his messages, he made her believe he'd um, transmitted a sexually transmitted disease to her while another woman was forced to shut down her business Facebook account after the man now known as Lewandowski bombarded her with abusive messages and threatened to discredit her company. A third who was threatened by him was told to Google his previous name, a clear threat. So, after all his promises in court, all his self-serving platitudes to the magistrate and his lawyer, and even in his two quite pathetic emails to the West Australian begging for us to take the nasty articles about him down. Tom Lewandowski was charged with a raft of more offences and he was eventually convicted of them. Uh, In that meantime, he spent more than a year behind bars 
waiting for his sentence. And earlier this month, in fact on December 5, Magistrate Raylene Johnson finally delivered that sentence. And I was in court for that one. Two and a half years behind bars. At any sense of rejection, you acted in a manner that was gravely concerning, Magistrate Johnson said. You changed your name for your benefit. And while the offences may be relatively short-lived, the effects of stalking can have long-lasting effects. And you still seem to be minimising the fear you caused and do not appreciate the seriousness of your offences. Magistrate Johnson said reports had concluded that Lewandowski had a borderline personality disorder and a narcissistic disorder, which gave him a grandiose belief and a lack of empathy. She also questioned prosecutors as to why they had downgraded Lewandowski's new charges from ones that originally attracted an eight-year maximum jail term to one with a maximum of 12 months. Lewandowski was jailed for a total of 30 months with eligibility for parole. He was also fined for possession of drugs and a weapon. The serial cyberstalker who changed his name after being caught terrorising women online finally received an immediate jail term. Sarah, again, one can only imagine the effect Rebecca slash Lewandowski had on these women's lives. But it must be good to know that your initial reporting resulted in other victims coming forward and then these women potentially feeling less alone. And it also highlighted to the general public just what a pig this man was. Well, that's exactly it. Several of the women who I spoke to throughout these years told me that my reporting and the coverage by the West helped them realise they weren't alone. And even though you probably don't want to be connected to people in this manner, it really helped them find their voice. And I think a lot of them were grateful they had the opportunity to look him in the eyes, to write their victim impact statements to the court, just to be heard. The other thing too is that it meant his face and his name was out there in the public domain. Mm -hmm. It means someone might see him, recognise him and not match with him (laughs) and avoid what could become, in some cases, years of terror. Well, from your boss, congratulations on that reporting. It was uh, a wonderful bit of work. And thank you for your work this afternoon and uh, uh, breaking your duck on Court in the Act. Thanks so much for having me. And of course, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call 1-800-RESPECT on 1-800-737-732. Thank you for joining us again on Court in the Act. And thanks for letting us into your ears uh, for the latter part of this year. Like many of the lawyers that we've talked to over the last few months, we will now be taking a three-week break over Christmas and New Year. But you can still get in touch in between the turkey and a few beers with any questions or cases you might want us to explore in the New Year at courtintheact at wanews.com.au. And for the final time in 2023, please remember, if you want to know what's going on in court, don't get caught short get caught in the act instead. 
See you next year.